0: Hello, hello. How are we doing today, my friends? I am exhilarated. That's what I have decided. I am exhilarated. I am living my dream. And there are plenty of shit shows, plenty of messes everywhere, but I'm really having a good time. And there's a great deal of Work that I'm in the process of doing with lots of things going on, and my brain wants to freak out, (laughs) but it's not allowed because I know it's not effective. And so instead, I just keep focusing on what is the result that we're trying to work through, what are the outcomes that we're trying to get without being attached to it, and instead being committed. So that's what's happening with me. I hope you're having a fantastic day because this is this one precious life that we have, and every year that I get older. I realized that instead of thinking, Oh, in the future, Oh, in the future, I'm 46 years old. I'll soon be 47 this June. What am I going to do with this one precious life? What am I doing today? I guess this is another podcast episode I'll be talking about in the future because today I'm going to be talking about the lens we look through. And before we go into that, so the latest happenings, as you heard me say, there's a lot going on and there really is. And I'm this multifaceted person with all this work that I do, which is fun and fantastic. And I'm so, so excited because one of the things that I've got going on is that it's finally here. I know many of you have been waiting for it. There's a ton of people on the wait list, but I'm opening up my next group of enough and this is my group coaching program. And I love, love, love this group. And we're going to have a new group that's opening up in May. And this is where we take, in all of my coaching, one of my great skill sets to help my clients is I help them actually integrate. I call the podcast kind of the intellectual learning. It it provides a window to look through. Of what are the possibilities? It's like, wait, what do you mean? There's a there's a better way than the way that I'm living through. There's a better way than just working hard and beating myself up and beating the crap out of myself. No. You know, I need to be perfect, right? Those are the things, the lies that we've been told growing up in cultural programming. And then in the show, I talk about the countercultural world that we can create and live in. That's really amazing. And then in the enough group, we actually practice it and live it. So there's some of you that are able to take the show and incorporate it in your life. And if you're like me, you want structure and you want a place to connect with others, then this is the place for you. I often joke that I drive 45 minutes to go do my physical therapy. There's a back class that I go to because I, even though I have all the tools in my house and all the exercises I could do. And I have a gym membership five minutes down the road. I like to go there because I don't have to use my own leadership energy. I can show up. Somebody else will push me outside my comfort zone because, you know, I don't like to be outside my comfort zone and I can connect with other people, even if just saying hello. And this morning I was there and they hadn't seen me a couple days or actually this week I've been gone because there's been so much going on here that I have chosen to go to the gym and it was just nice to say, Hey Corinne, where have you been? We've missed you, right? And a couple people came up and said that. So the enough group is like your gym and it's for your mind where you get to practice the stuff from how she really does it and the life coaching tools so that you can create. Work that you love that doesn't take over your life because you're using perfectionism, overworking, overachieving, which then creates a ripple effect into your personal lives. And we get in this downward spiral where you can be confident in the work that you do and be a high achiever without overachieving. Doing work that you're striving for excellence and having that high standard without overachieving where it's so costly for you, both for your health, and for your relationships. And then the other part of the aspects of the enough group is what's your relationship with yourselves and those around you, the relationships that you want to have, and how do you want your relationships to look like? I'm always about you be you and you create a life that's aligned with your values and priorities. So that's what the enough group is. It's opening. I'm so excited. Go to the enough webpage. It's how she really does it Forward slash enough. And right now we have consults that are open. You can click the link and get on my schedule and then you and I can talk about it. Yes, it will be me, not somebody on my team. It will be me. I want to make sure that you and I are a good fit for each other. And I'm so excited. We're going to get started in May, but registration, like I said, is open now. All right. So now we're talking about the lens that we look through. And there's a quote that I've known about probably for about 20 years. And I mean, I've always been a collector of quotes. When I used to coach at the college, it was an indoor pool, we had a whiteboard. And every week I'd have my assistant's write up a quote that I would pick that would be our theme for the week. And I'm sure I've used this quote before because I love, have loved this quote, but it's from Dr. Wayne Dwyer. And he says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And that sounds fantastic. Doesn't you're like, wait, what? That's amazing. And then I remember thinking, okay, great. But how does this really work? And does it really work? And does it really work for people like me? Because maybe that can work for you and you're a unicorn, but I'm just your average person and this doesn't really work. My friend, this actually works. I've been able to use it myself, my clients, this works and it's so powerful. It is the mindset that I talk about here all the time. And Carol Dweck has come on. So I've had, you know, professors, researchers who've come and talked about it. So when you can change the way you look at things, the things that you look at change, it's our perspective. And that's so, so important. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. The metaphor I want to give this is obviously lenses. I think of glasses, right? So what's the way you view things? And we all have different glasses that we wear. Like I have different sunglasses. I have my sunglasses that are for when I go coach on the pool deck. I have my different glasses that I wear when I'm going to maybe an event and I want, you know, whether it's my black glasses or my brown glasses, I'm pretty moderate conservative with clothing. So I'm not running around like in pink or yellow, but for those of you that do it, you rock on with your bad self. I love it. I'm not brave enough yet there, but we have different glasses. You may have reading glasses. You may have driving glasses. I know when I was, I can't remember, in my thirties, I guess. And I was noticing that at the end of the day, my eyes got tired. And so I got some glasses and then I would wear them, especially when it to plays or something where there was eye strain and I'd wear them, you know, and I was fortunate not to have to wear them all the time. So there are many different kinds of glasses that we have. And just like with the glasses is, what are the lenses that we look through our world at? So here are some of the lenses I used to use the lens with skepticism. And here's the thing that served me in a way where it protected me from being gullible. I remember years ago, 2003, we were in Alaska. So at the time I had a three-year-old And I think a one and a half, almost two year old. And then I had a 13 year old and a 15 year old and I was exhausted and we're up in Alaska and my husband was running a clinic up there, working at a clinic up there. And I was so excited because this house had cable and I was watching it during the day while I was working out and there was all these infomercials he would come home. I'm like, Oh my God, we need to buy this. Oh my God, we need to buy that. Cause I hadn't been exposed. And that's where skepticism can be really good for me because it can protect me from, you know, getting really hooked right away. If I'm skeptical and not trustworthy, because sometimes I can be gullible. So it can serve me and it can weigh me down. It can disconnect me from other people when I'm skeptical. So I've learned to remove this lens from my, my glasses that I wear when I look through the world. There's also the lens with fear in lots of people use this lens with fear. One of the things is that our amygdala, our brain is hardwired to protect us. It is set up. We have this internal system to protect us. And that's really important, especially back in the days when there were dinosaurs. And so often we don't have that kind of fear. We need to have that fear maybe while we're driving and people are texting, but we don't. So we don't need to be parenting or living our life with constant fear. We need to know what are the things that can be dangerous but my friend, we don't have dinosaurs anymore. Yes, we still need to be worried and concerned or aware. Let's use that word. That's a much better word. We need to be aware of what is dangerous to us. Where are places that the risk may be too high? And I'm not, I'm a pretty risk adverse person. So it's not that like I have high risk and like, oh, don't worry, just jump and the net will appear. I'm not a big fan of that belief. I'm just saying that when we look through the lens with fear, what's the cost to us? Because it can be exhausting. My clients tend to come to me and they've used this amygdala and response constantly day in and day out. And they can have like the adrenal, adrenal fatigue where they're just exhausted and they're tired of always trying to be prepared and stop bad things from happening. And the bad thing that may be happening is that they're not as efficient or that maybe a meeting went a bit sideways or that there was a technical problem at work that it really wasn't that big of a deal. It's not like when, when Facebook went down. Remember a few months ago when Facebook went down and the world was like, wait, what happened? And really we were all pretty much okay. Unless I guess if you're running your business on that, but as a social platform, like, okay, we can all survive if Facebook is down for a day. So we need to like, look at how does it serve us to use the lens that we look through with fear? It can keep us alive, but do we always need to be that heightened, right? Using the lens with fear is a great way for a strategy that I used to use for me to get things done. It was like, let me, you know, freak me out and threaten myself. And then I would get something done right? Another way we do it is procrastination and have that 10 page paper. That's due at eight o'clock in the morning and have my back up against the wall and started at midnight. No joke, not a great way to write a paper, but that's what I did because I had that lens with fear. Another lens that you could put on would be the lens with love. And with the lens of love is that you see the beauty, you see the love in the world. You give the love without needing to get it back. You're giving the love. It's allowing for connection. Notice when you wear the lens of love, how do you show up differently? One of the things is that I think if I always, I I love little kids and when I get to see them and with them, like all of that comes up, right? There's no, do I, am I going to be in danger by them? Are they going to threaten me? And instead I just see them and even babies. And prior to me having kids, like I wasn't interested, I was never a baby person, but now when I see babies and they're fun and to watch them smile and to be engaged and to watch them grow, like I can feel that I'm looking through this lens with love and it feels so much better than when I'm looking through the lens with skepticism or fear or Let's talk about the lens with judgment. Oh my gosh, you guys, I used to be the biggest judger. I kind of liked it and, you know, was like, I felt kind of empowered by it. It was a false sense of empowerment. It was like, let me judge other people. Let me judge myself because it just felt good because I wasn't feeling very confident. And, but then there would be regret and remorse because I may find out something about, say, somebody I was judging and then I'd be like, oh, well, I'm such a horrible person. I can't believe I did that. And then there'd be the self beatings, which isn't very good. It's kind of like comfort eating or me eating three bowls of ice cream. It may have been the dopamine hit, but afterwards it was not, there was no dopamine. There was just a lot of self-hatred. So the lens through judgment, it serves me because it protected me from being connected from others. It served me like, I'm going to judge you so that if you judge me, I already think you're an idiot, right? Or I'm going to judge myself first that way. Yeah. Of course I know that about myself. I've already told you that like you have nothing over me, but it weighs you down or weighed me down. You can test it out for yourself. And instead of judgment, looking through the world through that, I really look through the world through the lens with compassion and I pay attention and it allows me to have a soft focus and realize that we're all in this together. We all have our struggles and we all have the things that where our best selves can't show up. Like I used to think very naively 20 years ago that, Oh, once I get this figured out, I'm not going to make these mistakes, which is again, just a way to cloak perfectionism. But instead, when I realize that, We all have these common aspects and there's certain areas that we may be really good at. So for instance, I have a lot of experience at the pool. I'm very comfortable at swimming pools. Very, very comfortable. If somebody would push me in outside of me, maybe freaking, potentially freaking out about my um, phone getting wet, I don't worry, like push me in and I'll be okay. Actually, one of my coaches fell in the other night. She was trying to teach me how to dive with the hula hoop and the kid uh, wound up. Catching the hula hoop and my coach fell in with the hula hoop, so that happens. But there's nobody's safety that we have to worry about. There's not a potential drowning, and that's something that I'm really comfortable with. And so for me, it's not a problem. And but when for some parents, it can be really scary. And I remember that because there's this common humanity of not everybody knows how to swim, and that's okay. And while I may be good at swimming, right, or know how to swim, there are other areas that I can struggle in, and. Me knowing that maybe their struggle is in the pool and my struggle is in the kitchen. We have this common humanity aspect and maybe they're like, wow, cooking is something that I'm just very comfortable with. And I love to experiment. I had a client say that to me the other day and I was like, experiment. No, you must follow the rules, right? That was not her. I must follow the rules. (laughs) So I'm working on that, you guys. Okay. So I choose to look through the lens of compassion. The other one is the lens of empathy. And empathy is perspective taking and it's staying out of judgment. And these two have been so much freeing because I can deal with and work with a wide range of people and even people who would be quote difficult people. I just work with them in a place of fascination and I keep up appropriate boundaries. So these are the different kinds of lenses. And I want you to think about what are some of the lenses that you put on and are they effective? Right. And it's really important to know what lenses you're wearing because that's gonna be what you're going to see. Again, I wear sunglasses when I go on the pool deck. At night, I know that there's the whole blue light thing, and while I may not work, I tend to watch television on my iPad, I intend not to read anymore. But if I do read on my iPad or my Kindle, I have these orange glasses. And you should have seen the first pair of orange glasses that I bought. My husband was kind of laughing at me because I looked like I was in the NRA. They're these, I don't know what, they just, these big old plastic things. And I thought, well, I'll just try them, manage risk. I can't remember, they're 15, 20 bucks. And then now I have these a little bit more sophisticated looking orange glasses that are actually way easier to travel with. They do give a tint. So I, I'm okay. Cause I want my quality of sleep to be better. I'm okay with that tint, but you can bet on it that I will not be wearing those orange glasses when I'm on the pool deck cause they won't protect my eyes from the sun. So knowing what lenses that you're wearing, there may be times, of course, when I'm around kids, I bring in the lens with compassion. I bring in the lens with love. Now, if I'm in a city that has a high crime rate, I may have the lens of fear and to be really, really aware. Or when I'm watching in a new environment, negotiating something, I don't really wear the lens of judgment because it doesn't help me and it's actually a blockade, but I may wear the lens of critical thinking because that's actually going to really support me going through and not being that gullible infomercial person, but really being able to pay attention. And I still go back to compassion because it it opens up. It gives me the soft focus and it eliminates perceptual blindness. So For you, this is really important. This uh, past week, we had uh, a 4,000 flyers for the monsters that we are going through and I want some of my coaches to come over and one of them could come over and we were already in the process of counting these and collating these. And this is like, you know, something we're doing Tuesday night. And you know, the last thing that I really want to be doing is something like this, but they came early. We were there. Let's just get it done. So she comes in and I tell her we're counting them in these groups. And she asked me a question, like, how come they're in Spanish? I said, oh, because, you know, we have both English and Spanish and I'm in the middle of counting. So I don't want to lose count because I'm not a very good counter. And that's quite a story, isn't it? And, and we're counting in groups of 10. It's not like I'm counting to a thousand, but And so I keep carrying on because I'm really limiting my words because I'm trying to keep my focus because I have this intent of getting this over with so that I can have have a free night or get back to some other work that I want to get done. So when I'm in a place of trying to get stuff done, I'm really short. And we keep going, we're counting and counting, and she's just jamming through. She's awesome. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. And we keep going through. And then she asks again about like Spanish. And I go, yeah, there's Spanish and there's English. And I keep counting. I don't answer any further. And she talks to me about this another time. And I said, yeah, we're doing Spanish and English. And she doesn't say anything. And then finally on the fourth time, she says something. Now, you guys, we've been doing this for 50 minutes. We are almost done. I am so excited because I'm like, I could see the end of this. This is going to be great. We're actually ahead of schedule. Isn't this fantastic? I am jamming along, counting, marking. This is awesome. (laughs) And then she says, Corinne, why is there Spanish? And I look at her again. Remember, this is the fourth time in 50 minutes, you guys. And I look at her and my manager is there too. And we both kind of look at her and and I see there's Spanish and English. She goes, well, the postcards that I have only have Spanish on both sides. And I look at her and I say, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So we had an error and I had to go get that fixed and that where the postcards are coming and we're going to be recounting. So it was part of the the mess. Remember I said there's shit shows. I live this amazing life and their shit shows. There you go. And it was so interesting because the next day I see her at the pool and we kind of talked about it and just, I was laughing and she's like, well, I said it to you because she saw it within two minutes. She saw it and she's, her immediate response when she said something to me was oh, well, I don't want Corinne to think I'm stupid because I can't figure this out. That lens that she sees through is costly versus like, so what if Corinne thinks I'm stupid? Like, help me understand both sides are Spanish. Why aren't we putting an English flyer with this, as we're counting, it doesn't make sense because she was so concerned about how she was going to be perceived. And she thought she was going to be perceived as stupid. Like you guys, she's really smart. She's a university student. She's science major. She's graduating this year. This is not somebody who's stupid. I still to this day don't think I'm stupid. I was busy counting. She goes, But you didn't say much. I go, Yes, because my brain was focused on counting. I only have so much capacity. And to count to 10 and not mess up was about my max capacity at that point. And you may laugh, but that's the truth. It was Tuesday and I was exhausted. So, my point to you is this because of the lens that she looked through of being perceived as stupid, which is probably a lens that is looking through of shame, like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And I'm asking the stupid question. You guys are any stupid questions. She would have saved us 50 minutes of work had she had said, Hey, you guys, I see Spanish side on both. How often have you done something like that where you didn't use your voice because you were afraid of how you're going to be perceived or you were perceiving yourself as being stupid or not enough that's the lens that we look through. So another lens that's actually really harmful to us is to look through the lens of shame. When we see the world through that lens of shame, because it's very blurry for us, we're actually getting information that's not correct. I don't think she's stupid. I think she's amazing, but it gave me so much information about how she sees the world. So I give you that of, let's take these lenses off and let's put on lenses so we can really see what is there. And that's what I'm talking about today in the lens that we look through. So you're going to say, well, Corinne, this is all great, but how do I change this lens? I notice that I use, wear the lens of shame a lot. I wear the lens of fear. I wear the lens of worry. I wear the lens of frustration or anger. I wear the lens of judgment. You know, people are always screwing me or letting me down. Okay. I get that. So you want to now change it. And the question is how? So what you want to think about is what's the result you want, right? So when I was talking earlier about the different kinds of glasses, there's reading glasses, there's glasses to look far away. There's glasses to look close up. There's sunglasses, there's polarized glasses, there's orange glasses. There's all these different lenses. Which one are you using? You're going to wear reading glasses if you need help with the reading. You're going to wear glasses that you need to see far away. You're going to wear sunglasses to, you know, be outdoors. Maybe you're going to wear certain kinds of sunglasses if you're going to a wedding versus if you're going to be on a pool deck or a football game. So knowing what the different lenses support you for, right? The other way to look at this is also about how do you want to feel? because the lenses will allow you to feel a certain way when you're feeling judgment or when you're looking through the lens of judgment, it doesn't usually feel so good. When you're looking through the lens of fear, think about fear, maybe heightened at first and feel like kind of powerful, but then it's going to exhaust you. It's not very sustainable. Whereas like the lens of compassion feels good. Like you sit there and you I sit there in amazement. I'm like, wow, this is happening instead of arguing that this isn't happening. I was in this place of compassion. I didn't like the fact that we just spent this hour because that was an hour we weren't going to get back and there were several of us doing it. And I didn't like the fact that we had paid for these flyers and what was going to happen with that. And I don't like the fact that now we were going to be instead of ahead by a day, we're now going to be a week behind, right? Because there were all the steps that we took and did last week to get it done so that we could get it out this week. And now we're going to get it out next week. I didn't like any of that, but I was in this place of compassion and acceptance of this is where we are. Here is the goal of where we want to be. Here is where we are. There's a gap. What do we need to do to fix it? What we need to do to fix it is get new postcards printed and get them here as soon as possible and then recollate them and get them out. And I just calmed my brain down. I said, it's all going to be okay. It's, we're going to be fine. It's a mess. It's not what we wanted and it's okay. And I looked through it from the lens of compassion. I didn't blame people. It was actually my fault because when I was printing them, I was really tired at night and we had to make a change on the phone number and I didn't pay attention to the English and the Spanish. And I know better. When I'm really tired, that's not when I do great quality work. So that's why I don't typically work at 10 o'clock at night, but that night I did because we had this deadline. So it was it interesting how I screwed that one up. So deciding what's the result you want or what's the feeling you want to feel? How do you want to feel? Love and compassion actually take less energy than judgment or shame. Shame, it can be really depleting. So paying attention to that and not just the, the quick dopamine hits, right? Because we can get that. I get those I mean, the phone, the cell phone, the iPhones are designed so you get that quick dopamine hit. But then afterwards, you know, when you're on, I don't know about you, but I feel this when I'm on my phone or social media and for after a while and all of a sudden it's been 45 minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I may have been getting all those dopamine hits, but after 45 minutes, I am not feeling good. And I've noticed that and I get really cranky. So just pay attention of not just immediately but 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour later, how do you feel? And compassion is so much more sustainable than frustration or anger. I'm not saying that there's good feelings or bad feelings. Years ago, I interviewed Todd Cashton, who's a positive psychology professor and researcher at George Mason University, and he's fantastic. And he had this book called uh, The Upside of the Downside, And I'll have the link of that interview in the show notes. So you can go ahead and listen to that. But he said, it's not that there's negative emotions are bad. They're here to give us information. It's not bad to feel fear because that's part of our limbic system telling us that we are in danger. What's bad is when we dramatize it. So here's a form of dramatizing. When I was coaching the our red group, which is like fourth through sixth graders, and I've had this long relationship. And a lot of times the kids know me since they're, you know, six years old. So fourth through sixth grade is like what, nine through 11 or 12. So I've known them for a long time. I'm coaching them. I built up this relationship with them and they come up to me before a race and they say, okay, Corinne, what do we need to do? And I tell them, I don't know, we're going to take like three breaths for the 50 freestyle, something that they can totally do. They just don't like to do because it's extremely uncomfortable and they also have to be courageous. And they look at me and they say, Corinne, I'm going to die. That my friend is indulging in the fear of what could happen And that's not going to happen for them because more than likely, if they need air, they're going to take a breath. And I know that. And uh, but they just like to indulge in the drama. So I always tell them that this is going to be a great story because I don't have any stories of kids dying. And they look at me like kind of stunned, but they dramatize the fear when it's not necessary. And that's what I'm explaining to you. It's not that I want bad things to happen, but it's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And I can't tell you how many swimmers will get to be given a swim set or whatever. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die because they understand that they're going to go through extreme physical discomfort. <laughs> I can, you can tell I'm really selling the sport of swimming right now, but uh, they're going to go through some extreme physical discomfort on their journey of who they're becoming in the process. So notice in your life, where do you use fear to ignite you? Or when you're not really, there's no need for it. There's no need that they're going to think that they're going to die. They're going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be, it's going to challenge them. And if they said that, that'd be a very different story than this anteed up version. So paying attention to, you know, How do you want to feel? What are the results that you want to create? And then going about going, okay, what lens will then support me? Because my friend, when you change the lens that you look through, it will change your perspective on what is possible for you. Now it's your turn. It's time for you to go test it out and practice this. Pay attention to, oh, what lens? When you start to notice yourself frustrated or angry or mad at people, or, you know, like I have the story that it's all on me, pay attention to that. What lens are you looking through the world through? And what would happen if you put different lenses on? And would it change the things that you're looking at? So again, I'm going to read to you that Dwayne Dwyer quote of, if you change the way you look at things... The things you look at change and it really happens because I used to have this indulgent thought of, I would wake up in the morning, especially Monday mornings and look at my day and be like, Oh, this is happening to me. Poor me. I have this long day that's starting at six in the morning and poor me. I won't even get home until eight thirty tonight. And it's so horrible. And as I went through this and I did a lot of my own work and I worked on changing that lens. I realized that I didn't have to do all these things. I chose to do all these things and I chose all of that. And so by changing it to, you know, whenever my brain wanted to have the pity party of poor me, I was looking through the lens of victimhood. I was really good at that. And I changed it to the lens of empowerment. It was like, well, I choose all of this. This is what I choose. This is the life that I'm choosing for right now. If I don't like it, I give myself permission to choose differently. So when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, and that's what Wayne Dwyer means by that, and that's what we've talked about with mindset. It's never about lying to yourself, and it's not just about positive thinking talk where it's just something out there like but really looking at it we can, and it goes back to i mean I'm sure you remember this, you know, is the glass half full or half empty but it's the perspective that we want to look at things. There's so much beauty out there. And often we're looking at just the problems. So go and test this out for yourself this next week. What lenses are you wearing? What's the outcome of those lenses? And is that the outcome and the feeling seat you want? And if not, make the changes. And if it is, then yippee skippy for you. And you've got this. So I'm going to go back and circle back the lenses that you wear show you the life that you see. So when you put on a different lens, it's going to change the color. It's going to change how you feel. Pay attention to that. I go to a swim meet and I think this is the best thing on the planet. I've given my parents the lens that swim meets are giant playdates. The parents that wear that they love it. Years ago, Dan Pink, and I think we have it recorded when I was interviewing him, or maybe it was after the show, his kids were swimmers and he's like, oh, these swimmates are horrible. Like you blink your eyes and then all of a sudden you miss your kid's race. Well, first off, no kid ever needs their parents to watch them. They may want them to watch them, but for a kid to do well, they don't need their parents to watch them. And for you to be a good parent, you can miss their race. Like I've missed my kids' races. It's fine. And there's going to be so many of them that it's not going to be remembered. You know, I guess if you go to the Olympic trials and the Olympics, that'd be a whole nother story, you know, or some big event. but there's a lot of races. And if not that one, there's another. So the lens that Dan is looking at swim meets is really a painful lens because he's like, this is a waste of time. And it was a great learning opportunity because I realized that when I talked to parents about swim meets, I explained to them that there's so much learning that happens from the time the kid gets out of the car all the way throughout the day. They actually, they swim less at a swim meet than they do at swim practice. And it's a giant play day. And there's so much learning that happens. So how can you reframe stuff? That is true. It's absolutely true about a swim meet, but how can you reframe things and look through it differently instead of focusing on only the negative, which may be costly. There's going to be things that are fantastic about a situation. And then there's going to be things that are difficult. And if you remember at the start of the show, I said, I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere. There have been messes this just in the last week and a half, in the last 10 days, there have been so many messes, there are problems, but I do live an amazing life. And I go through each day and I'm like, wow, look at this life I get to live. Look at this life I've created for myself, which is very different Then the lens that I used to look through is like, oh, here's the life that I have. This is just as good as it gets. And it really sucks. That's how I used to look through my life. And this one is less costly and it's true. And then I see more and more of the beauty of my life. And I also acknowledge that here's some of the problems, but I try not to get attached to them. I really work on not getting attached to them. So when you change the lenses that you look through, you will change the results and how you feel in your life. I'm so excited for you to go out and practice this and incorporate in your life. All right, my friends, I have very exciting news. The next enough group is open for registration. If you want to have a life where you feel enough so that you can do work that you love from a place of confidence and not go into overachieverness where then the cost is your relationships, your home life, this is the place for you. If you want to have meaningful and connected relationships where you're willing to practice vulnerability, I know none of us are, but that my friend is the pathway to connection. Enough is the thing for you. We take all these tools in enough and incorporate them into your life. You integrate and implement them in your life. So you become enough. All these tools that you've heard me talk about on the show, we integrate. This is your mental gym. It is your place to practice and show up right now. You can go to the link in the show notes, or you can go to www.howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough. And during this registration period, there is a link on that page to the consult page where you will sign up and you and I will get an opportunity to talk about enough. And I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. I'm smiling big for you. This is your opportunity to become enough and integrate this stuff so that you can do meaningful work as well as have connection and love and the relationship she wants only she is dreaming she is drifting never been so wide awake.